that CMO Confidential Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them, the Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here today with my guest, Jim Stengel. Today's topic, a top marketer riffs on what it takes to succeed as a CMO today. Now, Jim spent 25 years at P&G, the final seven years as the global marketing officer, where he oversaw an $8 billion, with a B, dollar budget. After that, he founded his own consulting company, wrote a book titled Unleashing the Innovators, became an adjunct professor at UCLA and Northwestern, and started a podcast called The CMO Podcast. Jim, we're all waiting for you to accomplish something we can be proud of, so I'm glad you're on the show. Full disclosure, I've known Jim for a number of years, as we are both Procter & Gamble alums and original members of the Marketing 50, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. Welcome, Jim. Thank you, Mike. Hey, the global reunion of P&G you know, uh, happened two weeks ago. Did you go? I, I missed that. Sorry. I heard yeah. it was great, though. So. Yeah, it was in D.C. I didn't go either. It was the I was actually given a, a, the McElroy Award at that, at that event. The deal was you had to show up and give a speech, and I was very honored and I and Ed Tazia, who organizes this whole thing, um, I, I accepted. I booked it on my calendar. Then my daughter decided to get married that weekend, so I called Ed and I said, "Ed, I I gotta get I gotta go to my daughter's wedding." And he, he was like, "That's the only excuse for you not showing up." That's so we right. had a beautiful wedding a few weeks ago, and I made uh, uh, you know, I made a video of it, and it all went well. Well, congratulations. At last, someone has recognized your accomplishment. Thank you, Mike. Thank um, you. And, and, and congrats on the wedding. Um, so, hey, Jim, let's start. Give us an overview of the dominant themes you are seeing out there today in the marketing landscape. You haven't lost your PNG style there, Mike. Asking I, for, can do I have to limit this to one page or, or three do. bullet one, points? One page, three bullet points. Okay, very good. All right. Well, the first one, um, I, I mean, I, I grabbed this coming out of the Cannes Festival this year, which is a good barometer for what's on people's mind. Um, and it's the biggest gathering of marketing people in the world. And a lot of people are just saying, you know, we are all in the attention game. And so it's so, so hard to get engagement. There's so many distractions. Uh, the the generations that are emerging as consumers are obviously uh, distracted by a lot of things. So I think we just have to, what, you, know, you have to think about yourself in the entertainment and attention game. And if you're not able to get someone's attention, you can't even start. We used to call it awareness in the old days, I guess. But now yeah. I think attention is a much stronger word. And you don't have to look any farther than Barbie this summer to see, you know, this is a a very old brand that has had tough times and good times. And that movie 
put them at you know the center of popular culture and look what it's done for their stock price, their brand, their sales, and their future partnerships. It's kind of established a platform for that brand for that brand that can go so many places. So attention and entertainment, I think, is a big theme. I'd say the second one and closely related is creativity as a capability. You know, we don't talk about that enough. We, it's a big word like innovation, uh, like culture. But if you're not able to harness creativity and attract creative people to your company and in your partnerships, good luck in, in any marketplace, but especially today's. And, you know, you don't have to look further than TikTok on that, right? Right. They are a culture that, however your opinion is of them, they are a culture that rewards creativity, looks for creativity, and works with creative people extremely well. And to so, your point, they, they also, that is entertainment, too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally. Um, and I think the third one I would underscore, and maybe I'll take another one after this, is purpose, right? And I know, I know we're going to talk about that. Um, I think it's... It's it's a word we've been wrestling with for decades. I think it's still misunderstood. Uh, you know, a strong purpose on a brand is about growing the brand and making an impact on people's lives. Companies and brands who still do that do better in the in the market, attract more customers, attract better employees. So I think it's still, and I think Microsoft is a beautiful example of that. And look at that company; they have an incredible leadership team, an incredible leader, an incredible sense of purpose in the world. And and I, and you can see what's happening to their culture and to their and to their sales. And then the last one, I will borrow a, th- a quote from my podcast show from one of the CMOs I interviewed. I think it was the Wendy CMO, but I love this quote. He said, "You know, CMO is ninety percent chief, ten percent marketing. Ninety percent chief, ten percent marketing. So when you're a CMO, you have to think about yourself as part of the C-suite, part of the." leadership of the company, a representative of the company, a peer of the other functions. And if you have that mentality and you seek to make a difference as a corporation, leveraging your skills, your talents, and your organization, you work well with other functions, you will have a good career. If you don't do that, you will have one one stint as a CMO. So so I want to, in a little bit, I want to drill down on the creativity versus efficiency story that Mm -hmm. I see in marketing. I love the 90, uh, 10% thing. Let's talk about purpose a little bit. And you've written a lot about it. Why don't you describe purpose for our listeners and 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 talk about what it what it actually means and how it shows up? Well, the first point I would make about it, purpose is when it's not linked to your business and your business outcomes and your business strategy, it's not going to work. It's not social marketing, it's not cause marketing, it's not philanthropy, it's not doing well. Uh it it can inspire all of that and it usually does. But I get frustrated at conferences when there's a purpose speech and the person gets up there and talks about basically cause marketing or or social good. Those are all finding good things that can help a brand, but purpose has to be front and center and rooted in your business strategy and solving business problems that you have as an organization. So that's the first point I would make. The way I shortcut it after st- establishing, that, that, establishing that principle is it's about the impact you are seeking to make in the lives of the people you serve or you seek to serve. It's as simple as that. If you can have a higher impact on their life, make a bigger difference in their life through your products and services in a way that's relevant for your category, you will, if you execute well and consistently over time, you will beat your competition. 
But you are drawing a distinction here, though, into the between the the this purpose of of altruistic good or helping society and the purpose yeah. of 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 the brand or the product or service doing something important for the consumer in their day to day or week to week life. Right. That's that's because because I think it's important to for you to draw this out a little bit for our listeners and put the fine point on what you mean by by what this does for the end user in terms of purpose. And give us a good example, if you can. I, th- I think we we get wrapped up sometimes, in, and this, I think especially in tech, you know, what are the features? What are the benefits of the product? You know, we get very feature-driven. We get very functional. We get very um, sort of right brain. It becomes a, a game of, do I have more features than my competition? P&G at its worst was very functional, very f- purpose, or very um, very product and ben- product benefit uh, oriented. That's all fine. I mean, you have to have fabulous products if you're going to be purpose oriented, but it's about thinking about the customer's life holistically and the role you play in it. And can you bring in a little bit of ease or simplicity or speed or joy to that person's life in a way that's natural for your category? So it kind of lifts it up. It yeah. asks a bigger question about if we can, if, if we're in the baby care business or the uh, software business yeah, or the well, auto business, you know, what role do we have in helping that person live their life better, simpler, reaching more potential? And I think um, I think the companies that ask those questions and are relentless about that, their innovation is better, their engagement with their employees is better, and their outcomes with customers are better. So I think that's what it's about, Mike. And, I, you know, um, the head of the head of marketing for Unilever's personal care business, which includes, of course, Dove, this guy named Samir Singh. Um, I had him on my show, I don't know, a few months ago. Uh, I just recommend your listeners to listen to him. He okay. speaks about as well on purpose as anyone I've ever heard. And he really does talk about purpose with a small P, not a big P. Yeah. And at le- when you're in the CPG business, it's about daily life, right? Yeah. So what little things can you do to help people in their daily life? And the sum of that equals something pretty important. But he, I love how he makes it distinguish big. He says, when you have the small P right, sometimes it leads to big P. I agree with this. But get like the small P right. Focus, yes, focusing on the big P, like you're going to change the world because you're selling mayonnaise yeah. or or, yeah. or diapers or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe you will. But in the end, if 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 I could, if, if you can make me have a great parenting experience because changing the diaper is really easy and it's not that expensive or it's really simple and it's convenient that is worth a lot to me as a consumer and i think that's the purpose we're talking about versus you know we're we're trying to we're trying to solve solve some of the massive world problems as as and ever. you know mike the answer is always in your organization yeah if you really go out and talk to your employees your associates about are we doing enough to help our customers i mean just it's a simple question what more can we do there's always more. There's always innovation. There's always ideas. So I think it, it's always the answer to do, is my purpose working or, or do I need a purpose or do I need a higher purpose? The answer is always in your team. So I we, we, we you know, And, uh, and I, I think also think that people don't often enough go back to the idea of the brand when it was founded. Every founder has an idea that that inspired them to commit their life to that. And there's always interesting stories and inspiration and ideas 
and thoughts and going back to the beginning. I, I think that is a good way to wrap on purpose. I want to move over into, uh, you know, you talked earlier about creativity and the need for creativity. And, and, and I, I, I want to, this is kind of a long question. So if you're in consumer goods, you're kind of in, there's a belief in the brand, there's a belief in the creativity, there's a belief in the long-term. Um, and often, you know, the, the marketer is in the driving function there. When you leave consumer goods, um, a lot of times it's a whole new ball game where people see marketing completely through different lenses. And a lot of times there is not that belief in, in the creativity, not that belief in the long-term marketing tools. Um, tell us, you know, how folks can make that work if they're not in CPG when, when they make the jump over to a new, new industry. I think, hey, I think it's changing, Mike. I look at, you know, wh whether it's um, Mel Selker at LinkedIn or uh, Carry at Train Technologies or uh, Chris, who just left Microsoft. Uh, I think marketing in non-CPG is is getting elevated. I think people are getting, uh, this, they, they have a seat at the table. They're expected to be uh, an active member of the leadership group. But I, I, I guess the short answer to your question is when when you flip out of CPG or a category where marketing is really valued and into another category, I would say uh, understand what drives the business, yeah. how you make money, what's the business model, what are others' opinions of the impact that you could potentially make on the outcomes of the company. And um, in every time I've changed jobs and people that I work with who have changed jobs, if you go and interview your colleagues at your level around the company, whether or not they're in product supply, R&D, finance, sales, uh, HR, what are their opinions about the success of the company? What are their opinions about the impact and value of marketing? What would they do if they were you? If you do, do those interviews sincerely and synthesize that, you will have your agenda. I, and I and it will that. be important to the it will be important to the enterprise. I agree with that. I think one of the things I would also recommend is if you can do that in the interview process, you will learn if the job even is better, right. even it's better, a lot better because you will learn if if there's a realistic expectation of marketing and if they're really uh, to, to the point about purpose and and the consumer really having the final vote on whether you're succeeding or not. Um, you will you will learn whether or not the company sees the marketing totally the right way or not the other the other add-on i would give to that mike if you know i think why cpg marketers have historically been successful when they leave in other categories generally is they do bring their skills that they learned to a new space yeah so you know and the skills are really are if you if you think about why png is almost 200 years old they're crazy about the customer consumer they call it understanding the consumer, measuring their impact on consumers' lives. And they're and they're really, really, really strong about developing leaders, right? So so bring the skills on customer insights, consumer closeness. Uh, good marketers are strategists, bring those skills. And good marketers elicit a high level of creativity and innovation from their teams. So if you go into a new category and you're consumer obsessed, you understand how to unleash creativity, you know, and you're uh, and you're a great strategist. You will succeed. 
I, I agree with this. I, I also want to highlight, you mentioned math and measures. And I think one of the things that is very important, if you're leaving CPG, where there's almost always a slew of measures that everyone understands, when you get to the new place, if they don't have the marketplace and marketing measures, you have to put them in or they will give them to you and they will often be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is, is sales overnight, brand over time. Mm-hmm. And the challenge that some marketers have, and, and I've experienced this personally, in, in places like PE or uh, private equity or venture capital, where the long term isn't viewed as that long. And what's your recommendation for marketers in, in that kind of space either on the way in or if if they find themselves in that job where where the long term isn't that long how how do you recommend they manage that kind of job i did a an article in the harvard business review this spring in the may june edition with a professor at wharton and a, a colleague of mine in a company where i'm i'm on the board and it was really all about this brand marketing versus performance marketing tension right. And, and what we found in the research we did and the point of view we took in the story is there should not be attention. There Every be. brand marketing, sense. by the way, can drive sales overnight and really great performance marketing can grow a brand. And the biggest issue we have in companies that see them in different spaces in the organization is they don't work together, they don't share a common vision, and they don't share KPIs. Yeah. key performance indicators. So if the if the performance marketers are measured on their brand and brand marketers are measured on sales together they will work together the work will be coherent and the entire brand will lift and that's what we found in our research. So for those listeners who who's who's quote performance marketers I don't even love these words but they are what they are. Yeah. Performance marketers have the same KPIs as the brand marketers and vice versa you will see different kind of outcomes. Uh, look, I, I've always thought, I also, if you, you have to pay off it too. You can't just give the measure. You have to pay. So, um, or, or what happens is everyone is taking money from the other pile yeah. based on their metric. Hey, let's talk about innovation a little bit in, in the face of what is, you know, this, this revaluation, particularly of a lot of the tech and the startup companies, um, you know, cause, cause you, you've talked and you think a lot about innovation and then you have this AI thing sitting on top of innovation. Talk about innovation, marketing, AI. How should people be thinking about it going forward and what the marketplace is today and, and, and going into the next year? Well, the marketplace in all times values innovation, right? So if you walk away from that, even in tough times, you are mortgaging your future. And we don't, we have no shortage of cases of companies that have done that well and those that have not. Um AI, I, I, you know, it's if you're not using it personally, start. Right. Um, and if your company doesn't at least have a, I looked at some recent data um, about number of companies who are experimenting with AI. I mean, it's it's very high as you would expect, 80, 85%. Uh, the ones that see it as fundamental to the strategy, about half the company surveyed say this. But the the learning I've had in using it myself and with the people that I associate with is, you know, you need to link it to your business strategy. And so it, um, and then start testing things. So if you feel like it can help you 
um, write software better, then start using it. If you think it can help you build better architectural designs for gardens, if that's your business, start doing it. Uh, if it can help you synthesize data better and write summaries, which is how I'm using it, yeah. get on with it. Uh, if, it can, if it helps you start speeches, you know, get on with it. So, but, um, but I think in the creativity communication field, um, it's already having a large impact and customer service is already having a large impact. Um, I think in data analysis and benchmarking, it's having a big impact. So, uh, and certainly we did a workshop on this at the Cannes Festival this year with about 60 marketers and they, they all had ideas. They were all experimenting. They were all learning from each other. So I guess the other point I'd, make, I, I'd say, Mike, is understand what people are doing outside your category. That's the benefit of organizations like the Marketing 50, the ANA, the Cannes Festival. Get yeah. out there and ask other people what they're doing, what's working, yeah. what's not. Get knowledge, get practice, but also yep. don't throw your whole strategy over to something you don't fully have. No, that's correct. Um, I, a lot of we've had a couple AI uh, specialists on the show, and they basically say, "Look, look first at efficiency gains, later at revenue generation." And we had one futurist say, "It's great. It's great for tasks that aren't super important right now, but, but there, there's a lot of those tasks, and so you can outsource it to that." He also compared AI to like having 1 million cocky 16-year-old interns yeah. working for you who will produce a lot of stuff, but none of it will be at that creative super height, I think, an innovative height you were talking about earlier. I, I, I want to shift over to, to uh, business schools in particular, college and business mm -hmm. schools. I, I, you know, you're a professor and, um, and, and you've written a lot. Are graduate are business schools teaching the right thing for future business leaders and marketers now? Because there's some people that say they're they're behind the curve a little bit. I think it's mixed, Mike. I think it's it's highly variable. I think it's very dependent on the professor, of course. It always has been, I guess. But it's a very, um, you know, the business model of business schools is very dispersed, right? Right. Really, the, the faculty are, are pursuing many times their own agendas. It's very hard to get a coherent agenda as a dean at any business school. Um, so what I think, I think some professors are making an enormous impact on the students in some way less so. Um, I think what's missing in a lot of the curriculum is are the, the softer skills. You know, all these people are going to leave. And you know, most of them have had jobs before, but they're going to walk into jobs where the internal politics, the interpersonal dynamics are what's going to make or break their career. And if they don't understand how to navigate that. So I think it is the softer skills of succeeding in a complex organization. I think it's communication skills. Right? No matter how good you are, if you cannot communicate in a simple, straightforward and in inspiring way, good luck as you try to advance your career. And, and I do think this idea of 90% chief, 10% marketing, you know, all the great CMOs of the world, and you, you know, this, they're great team leaders. They really, they're, they are, they're about their teams. They see their set, their successes, their team success. And, and I don't think there's enough pragmatic education on best practices in those areas. So I think it's, it's the, it's the softer skills. Um, and, 
and if you and your next question will probably be what's really what's really really missing and that's I a think, great question Jim I think you should answer no, that right um I I think I've done I've done a lot of thinking about this and a little bit of writing nothing that that I've put out there in the world in a big way but I I I've I've been doing a, a podcast as you're doing and you're doing it weekly which is amazing I've been doing it for five years and interviewing the same kind of people you're interviewing. And I ask a lot of those people, what's the most important characteristic of a successful CMO? And the most often answer, the, mo the most frequently answer, most frequent answer to that question is curiosity. And I mean, can last year I had Ted Sarandos at Netflix in my class. He said curiosity. Uh, I had the Unilever CMO in the class curiosity. Um, and start to unpack that. What does that mean? How do you be a curious person? Can you train curiosity? What's what's good curiosity and lack of curiosity? And what are the how do people who are curious spend their time? How do they lead their teams? And so I've done some work on how to sharpen your saw, improve your skills in being curious. And and you know what happens with that? It's actually very fun. It and is. It's very, and it's very kind of rewarding as a human being. It does change how you spend your time. But I do think it is a skill. It can be taught. It can be learned. And it can be applied and can be improved. And I would like to see business schools tackle that in a bigger way. And I've done a bit of teaching on, on, on that myself. And it leads to really interesting places. I think this is a really important point because you see – some companies will elevate a CMO based on a bunch of technical box checks. A lot of those CMOs are going to fail because they have not managed all the functions or all the things that they're going to run into. And if they don't, if they just try and math base that, like their historical approach, they won't get it right. Um, so, so I think that's an important thing. It, uh, Hey, hey, Jim, there's been a ton of change in media and the agency business. A uh, lot of things going on. Where's this all headed? Well, I think, uh, you know, if if you want creativity and you want to be a curious person, partnerships are going to be important. And and they still are important. You know, the obviously the big holding companies are going through adjustments and replatforming and restructuring. A lot of consolidations happening, as you know. But if you go to most successful brands and you ask them who are the most important people driving those brands, obviously, they're going to talk about people inside the company, but they're also going to talk about partnerships. And they might be content partnerships. They might be, in some cases, celebrity partnerships. Right. They will be um, partnerships with a variety of outside uh, people, companies who are really good at what the company is not good at. And so... So I think the world in the future possibly will be even more important to have strong partnerships outside your firm. And, and but I think th those are shifting and those will continue to shift based on what companies need. You know, the most important question or one of the most important questions we need to ask as senior marketers, what do I want to be great at inside? It's not a new question. And what will I not be great on inside that I want to outsource or find partners for and I, and I think you know companies like P&G have been pretty good at that over time yeah and and they tend to value their outside partners and and they tend to ask them to bring everything to the table in what they are good at
And, and when you have that dynamic happening and you set the right briefs, the right goals, the right ambitions, you know, you get people who are different from you, who bring different things to the table than you do. And that's where success is. And I think that's perhaps even more the world we're walking into than it has been in the past. And they get, as more and more issues, particularly in technology emerge, they can go a lot deeper on those issues. Correct. And, 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 and you can, you can hire all this experience. We have a whole show on vendor management talking about this, which is if you try and do everything, you're going to be doomed. So you got to get really good at vendor management and picking vendors yeah. and then partnerships. Hey, hey, Jim, hey, there's a ton of questions I could ask you. So, so maybe you'll come back on the show sometime in the, the future. Anytime, Mike. Thank you. So, so let's finish. It's a two-part question. You can take both parts or either one, but you have to take at least one practical advice or funniest story you would like Good. to share with our listeners. I love it. One I'll do both. One. I'll do both. Hey, right. and the practical advice, gosh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow from Antonio Lucio here, okay. who's a friend of mine. You know, he's 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 been he's been like you, an amazing CMO in many companies over his career. Um, he, he talks, he did a remarkable video when he left Meta. I recommend everyone find it and watch it. And, uh, I think there are two, there are a lot of lessons in that video, but two of them resonated with me. And the first one is take care of yourself, right? Watch your physical health, your mental health. Um, these jobs are hard. They're demanding. I mean, when I came in as CMO at PNG, my CEO at the time, AG Laffley looked at me and said, don't try to outrun this job. Oh, It'll kill you. Fine. It'll kill you. And and then uh, so take care of yourself and be deliberate about that. Intentional. Uh, don't don't get sucked up. It will. And and Antonio talks about mental health, depression, heart attack. You know, he's had some rough times because he didn't make that a priority. And and then I think a, a second piece of advice he has in that video, which I think is remarkable, and I agree. He said, "I was always good at developing my." mentors and network and sponsors inside my company. I wasn't good at finding sponsors and mentors outside the company. And he said, and what that does, it expands your thinking. It expands your network. It expands how you view the world. It feeds your curiosity. So, And it's real easy not to do that because, right? again, it takes intention. It takes time. But there are massive, massive payoffs to that. I think being a successful CMO and actually being a fulfilled human being. So those are two really specific things we can all control. And, and I, you know, and I, I, I couldn't agree with them more. Um, and I mean, I, I, I've had a great career. Part of it was, is, is in a company. Part of it's being sort of a portfolio person. I like a portfolio approach to my life. I had the self-awareness to say it was time for me to move into a different gear and, and, and pursue my own, passions at hundred percent of my time. And I think that has helped me take care of myself and, and, and add value, I think in areas that I could not have done in the, in the corporate world. So, um, so that's my pragmatic advice. I borrow from Antonio on that and fully credit him. Um, funny stories. I mean, we have a lot of funny stories if we've had long careers in, in business, especially in marketing. Um, I mean, I, I, with the one that I, I, one I think I would share where there's a good lesson in it is I, I'll try to make this short, but I was sent to Eastern Europe in the early days to be a general manager over a couple of countries. And I, we were entering new categories all the time. 
So I had this brilliant idea. We had a superior product in this one personal care category that we would think big and sample every person in the country. Wow. And if, if we would sample every person, we would get dominant share and we'd have higher loyalty because the product was so great. Well, I did that and we spent a lot of our money early in the fiscal year on that. And we didn't sell anything for like three months. We sampled and we didn't sell any. Well, I never, do you ever look at a shipment report and see zero? Sadly, I have. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and what I did, this is a good lesson. It's funny now. It was not funny then. I missed my forecast. Uh, I, you know, I sampled, my sample pack was like four months of consumption <laughs> because they used so little of the product because they were, they didn't have a lot of money. They were not used to using this category. And so, uh, if I had done a little bit of consumer research, I could have avoided that, but I didn't, I reapplied what worked in some other countries who had different habits. So, so know your consumer in your market. Or you can have a story that is hard at the time. You know, what is what, what do they say? Comedy is tragedy that happened one time and it becomes comedy. That was yeah, tragedy right. in my career at that point. It became very, a, a very funny story. That's an awesome story. And I think a great way to end the show. Um, thank you, Jim. And thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for our other shows on Spotify, Apple, and YouTube, which include... What your agency wants to tell you but won't, parts one, two, and three. A top executive search person's perspective on marketing, sales, and communications. A content streamer's view of media. And B2B marketing, a report from the front lines. Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This is Mike Linton signing off for CMO Confidential. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com.